0: The matter with you, first of all, for take one.
1: You tell me that you want us to be together, but the very next minute you start to talk about the weather. It shines or snows The situation seems to be That everybody knows Exactly what you're doing to me I know you You're exactly like your mother's daughter Transparent girls See through you like a glass of water Hey ho, here comes the sun Shining down on me I just want to be glad But you just want to be free Tell me now Tell me all the reasons why you want to break my heart Tell me how Tell me how you're managing to force our lives apart Sing it out Let me hear the reasons for the things you're trying to do Tell me now Tell me what's the matter with you getting stronger Had a feeling today that it can't go on much longer Hey, hey, here comes the crunch It's gonna be the end of me Today I had a hunch That very soon you're gonna be free Tell me now Tell me all the reasons why you wanna break my heart.
2: again to the strange brew podcast my name's jason barnard and that was the matter with you from tony hazard's new album demonstration for any listeners of the strange brew i think it was very likely that you'll have heard tony's work before one of the great songwriters of his generation wrote hits for the likes of holly's manfred mann gene pitney and much more. And the solo work is fantastic. And there is a, a podcast from about 10 years ago that you can dig into as well as an interview. But um, this particular podcast, even if we have the same song, we will have an alternate version to uh, uh, show a, a different side of things. But importantly, Tony's got a new album out, Demonstration, which is kind of new but old at the same time. Would that be right to say, Tony? It's a, re- a revisiting and I've used a quote
3: on, on the album from T.S. Eliot about going back to the beginnings and knowing the place for the first time. And it's really, for me, it's a historical document. I had two things I wanted to do because essentially I've stopped writing. I've stopped yeah. doing most, most stuff. One thing I wanted to do was a book of lyrics, of selected lyrics, which is now out on Amazon what happened was i was contacted in 2017 i think by somebody who knew about some of my four track tapes from recording in the 60s and would i like to buy them the 27 four track tapes which of course aren't small Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i bought them and they they also sent me the tape boxes so i knew what was on what so i i Cast around trying to find a studio I could use, a four-track studio. I could only find one in the east end of London, w- where somebody was. I better not say he was grumpy, but he was he was against anything digital. <laughs> you, could, you know, it had to, everything had to be analog in every every sense of the word. So, I thought, well, that's a bit. It's far a- away from me, and and the only other place was Abbey Road, and they were charging a lot of money per day. To use their studer so somebody else said go to a place in in acton in london and get the the tapes you want transcribed to high quality digital tapes digital tracks so i did that and of course the album was on two of the tapes but there was one track missing the sound of the Candyman's trumpet that wasn't there uh, but there were other tracks that were there so i i substituted two other tracks and i played around with it on at home on logic and wasn't sure what to do with it i thought what's the point people first of all there was a cd that came out which was a copy from the original vinyl in 1969 and then somebody wanted to do a spanish company wanted to do a vinyl version which they got from the cd which was taken from the vinyl (laughs) so the quality of that wasn't very good and then I thought, no, I'm not going to try to attempt this. So I contacted Jerry Boys, who I've known for many, many years, and he lives not far from me. And um, if anybody doesn't know Jerry, he's got five Grammys for his recording engineering, including the Buena Vista Social Club, which, so, you know, so, and he went to Havana to record that. And so I said, would you be interested in doing this? So, and he absolutely loved it. He said he was so good going back to the 60s. And we had problems because in the 60s, when we were recording, the engineer would put the drums and the lead guitar on one track. So we couldn't separate things. I think technically you're supposed to use certain frequencies to soften things up, but we didn't do that. So what we agreed, we'd put out something that was representative where the sound was good, even if it wasn't stereo. It's, It's largely a stereo. And I just wanted to tweak a few little things. And then I thought, what's the point of releasing this? And I thought, no, I want to do it for me, the same as I wanted to do the book. I managed to get some photographs, black and white photographs, from the sessions. The thing is, the whole thing was originally a co- compilation of demos, yeah. although we re- re-recorded two of the tracks. That's, what, so that's why I wanted to call it demonstration. But CBS Records didn't want to call it that. They wanted to call it Tony Hazard Sings Tony Hazard, which I thought was a bit of a wet title. And then people just referred to it as Sings Tony Hazard, which is a bit meaningless to me. (laughs) (laughs) So I was pleased to be able to do demonstration. And then couldn't decide how to release it. And then somebody contacted me in LA who had a a company doing cassette tapes and was very keen on, on stuff like this. And then a lot of things happened as as any I've discovered any creative attempt at anything whether it's films, books, whatever, everything changes from the way you started off. Mm. Anyway, he, the company broke up. He moved to another company. Then that, that changed again. And he moved to a company called liberation hall records on the East coast in Massachusetts. The record company are really good. They've been—they've done exactly what I wanted. You know, I—I I, I wanted to do originally a vinyl album, but they're doing everything. It downloads the lot, but a vinyl gatefold sleeve with an insert with photographs from the sessions and and the key to who was whom.
2: Although demonstration captures much of or all of the material that was on Tony Hazard sings Tony Hazard. Yeah, the matter with you was that one of the tracks that. Wasn't on. No, we didn't put that on. I don't know why. I don't. Maybe we
3: finished it before before I did that. But I, I liked it. And um, We edited it. I mean, in, in lots of thing, cases, not lots of cases. In some cases, we've edited things because I felt it was too long. And one of the things about sixty songs, usually they're quite short and write on the job straight away instead of a two-minute-long intro. And I also wanted to get a sense of the atmosphere of the studio. So we included some countins and things like that. So the matter with you starts, you know, first four to four, Tom Allen, the engineer, saying, because we use two four tracks, two studio four tracks. First four to four, take one. And you feel as though you're in the studio and you can look at the musicians in the studio at the time. It was recorded about over four years, I think, altogether. together.
2: Ah, It was such a prolific and creative period for you, and and the album, one of those tracks is Fox on the Run, so people can now actually hear what, in essence, is the original or first version of Fox on the Run.
3: It was the original. Sometimes we'd use flute, because Colin Wood, the keyboard player, played flute as well, and we'd use whatever was in the studio. So if somebody had been in and hired a Hammond organ, Colin's eyes would light up, and we'd put the Hammond on something so the matter we'd used has got Hammond all the way through it but with Fox on the Run we had a different I wrote a different flute part but then Manfred's came out so we decided to use Manfred's flute part which was very similar it was a, it was the same sort of feel and I was I was into the band at the time so I was trying to he was influenced by the band but then of course later on it became a bluegrass Everybody thinks of it in the States as bluegrass. And I've since written a third verse, which is a bit confusing for people, which is in the lyric book. I had a funny incident where somebody in the States, a bluegrass band, sent me a, a film of them playing in their house with a double bass and a banjo player sitting in, in a wheelchair. And it was a great track. And I said, thank you for this. Did you know there's a third verse? Oh, please, will you send it to us? So I sent it to them. They then sent me another video, including the third verse. I think they're the only band that knows it now.
1: fall when woman tempted man in paradise's hall this woman tempted me and took me for a ride and like the weary fox i need a place to hide Through my past, she didn't care to stay, the picture cannot last.
2: As I was saying before, such a a magic period for you. And one of those tracks is Ha Ha Said the Clown, which was firstly done by Manfred Mann, but we covered that a decade ago and we've got the Yardbirds version this time, which I think was a a minor hit in the States. It was in the 40s, I think. I've read that that was actually a song for you that actually took quite a while to write, is that... It was. It was was a funny situation. I'd um, got a publishing
3: contract with Bronze. Then I went through a dry period I couldn't write or anything I wrote wasn't up to standard. And I went in to see Jerry Brong with a guitar one day with four songs, I think it was, and played three, and he didn't like any of them. So I stood up to go out and said, well, there's no no point in doing this. He said, no, 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 play the fourth one. And it happened to be Haas of the Clown. And a big grin came over his face and said, it's a hit. And I, I could not see, I couldn't tell what was commercial. I've never been able to do that. And I get people sending me lyrics and things saying, tell me what you think. And I say, I won't do it because I don't know any better than anybody else what's, go- what's going to be good. There are so many stories in the business of people who've rejected things. And i never forget one day, Denny Cordell, the record producer, had an office upstairs from Bronze in Oxford Street. And he used to come up and play stuff when I was in the office one day. He said, tell me what you think of this. And I said, well, it sounds a bit like When a Man Loves a Woman by Percy Sledge. And, of course, it was White as Shade of Pale. I couldn't tell that it was commercial. I could tell what I liked. There were certain things I heard that that I thought were very good. I used to hear demos by Ray O'Sullivan, later Gilbert O'Sullivan, just on a piano in his his shed. And they were great. They were were cross between Bob Dylan and something else. But my version of Haas of the Clown was very different from the way Manfred or, or, or the Yardbirds did it. I, I did it as a sort of Hungarian dance. Also, there was a thing about the clown. So when Manfred did it, he had a clown on his Hammond. It wasn't about a clown. It was about a stand-up comedian. But we didn't have that phrase in those days. And I couldn't have rhymed it anyway. Oh, Haas said the stand-up comedian. <laughs> was mickey most yeah uh, mickey was a big fan of mine and i, I was very very lucky because mickey shared a, an office with peter grant who later became the, the manager of led zeppelin and people used to sit outside of his office all day trying to see him and they couldn't and i would i could just phone him up and say i've got a song for you and he'd say come over now so he, he did quite a few of my my songs
1: It being tight on romance Oh, the clown Is it bringing you down That you've lost your chance Feeling low, gotta go See a show in town
4: Hear the jokes, have a smoke And a laugh at the clown In the world, see a girl With a smile in her eyes Never thought I'd be brought right her lies.
1: In a trance, what? watch her dance to the beat of the drums Foster now sweating crown, I'm on fingers and thumbs. Wonder why I hit the sky when she blows me a kiss
4: In a while, run a
1: mile I'm regretting all this Ha ha,
5: said
6: the clown. As the king lost his crown, is the night being tight on romance Oh, the Is it bringing you down that you've lost your chance? Time to go,
1: close the show, wave the people goodbye Grab my coat, grab my hat, look that girl in the eye With your home, once your
4: phone number Stop fooling round Could have died, she
7: replied, I'm the wife of the clown Ha ha, said the
4: clown Has the king lost his crown, is the knight being
1: tight on romance? Ha ha, said the clown Is it bringing you down, that you've lost your chance to
2: When we last spoke, you mentioned about Daryl Hall and Hall and Oates, and he actually, in his very formative years, released The Princess and the Soldier. I guess you you may not have an insight how he got hold of that. Do you think it it was publishing demos that that made its way over I don't know why. I
3: found found it
2: very strange,
3: because Daryl Hall and John Oates was very, very different. It was very sort of soulful type stuff. And this was sort of fairy story almost. So I I don't know how that happened. Oh, wait a minute. I did know somebody called Steve Apple, who was a producer, I think. And I think he had Daryl Hall at the time. And Steve and his partner knew me when I was at Loudwater.
2: he, He was friendly with some friends of mine. And I think maybe he placed the song. In terms of the inspiration for that track, quite a lot of songwriters at the time harked back to the childhood as well as sort of military themes. Was it just something in the air?
3: I don't know what it was. I mean, because as I put in the lyric book, the songs come from all different sources. Some are straight from the heart. And they're real. Some are based on people or events that you know, but you've embellished them or changed them. And some are just past, said the clown was a phrase i just thought that was interesting where people are laughing at the clown and it's become reversed princess the soldier i i was always interested in the idea of sort of childhood stories but having a deeper menacing feel underneath where they're locked in position and the soldiers locked in position shooting while the clown cries he fears the gun that points his way against military shoulder so there's the soldier's shooting the clown, and he's locked in that position until night when all the toys come alive and the girl dreams about it. I don't know, it's just imagination. <laughs>
0: Sound or so it seems The trumpet sounding revel It is the candyman that plays And with his magic trumpet says It's time for toys to have a day shoulder The morning comes The child's awake He knows the child's Climbs in bed, the time has come to rest. Her sleepy head, she's had a very tiring day. She's only just put all her toys away. See how the toys begin to play. The princess.
2: And now we have a song that was the working title for the Strange Brew podcast, which is uh, my, my love for this song. And we have Cliff Richard's version, which is the original released version, I I guess, the sound of the Candyman's trumpet. And it seems a a bit of a juxtaposition, the Candyman's trumpet, which has got a bit of that psychedelic feeling, but compared to what Cliff was releasing at the time and also Eurovision, how did that happen? It was
3: bizarre, completely bizarre. That song was written after my one and only acid trip. (laughs) And if you listen to the word, you can tell. And after that, I thought, never again, because it didn't go very well bronze put it in at the time the music publishers association judged songs that were submitted to them and had eight of them and then the public would then vote on on the eight. i don't know why they submitted that i thought it was completely wrong (laughs) i envisaged it as a mamas and papas thing with answering voices that's how i think we recorded the demo a bit like that but i've i've lost the demo i don't know where that's gone and I later heard that Cliff really liked that. It was his favourite. But I don't know, because I, I didn't speak to him. So I was very surprised. I was surprised it was, uh, you know, it was done. It shouldn't have been.
2: <laughs> well, glad it did. I mean, Cliff's got a great voice. You've got Norrie Paramore as producer. Yeah. John Paul Jones' as uh, arrangement, and a great arrangement.
3: Yeah, well, John Paul Jones a lot of my, arranged a lot of my stuff for Mickey Most. And Jimmy Page played on, on them as well. When I recorded it myself, I'm, I'm sure I'd done a demo before that. Before we did the my version of it, well, I, I used the only bar trumpet player I knew, and that was David Mason, who played on Penny Lane. So I wrote the dots out for him. It was a fade at the end, and he said, "Do you want me to do what I did on Penny Lane and just improvise?" I said, "I said yes, please." So he did. <laughs>
4: Listen how the night is falling Palaces and halls, he can take you there Don't be scared, he'll be heard to see. Only then you know just what it's like To hear the sound of the candy man's trumpet the Candyman painting in the sky Colors fly and pain's forgotten Never wondering why Accepting all you see Seize the chance and let the dance begin Only then you know What it's like to hear the sound the candy man's trumpet, of the candy man. Singing loud, clear, singing loud and clear, that love is here to stay. Nothing else is true, it's up to you. So everyone let me see Time will stand still Candyman will play Only then you know What it's like to hear the sound of Of the Candyman's trumpet Of the Candyman's trumpet Of the Candyman's trumpet
2: We're mixing up versions. Um, we had a song earlier that was recorded by Richard Barnes. He have a great connection with, and Gene Pitney had the uh, the hit version. But we've now got Richard Barnes's version of Maria Elena here. Yeah, two artists that you've got that strong connection, really. But Richard Barnes, um, he was a great foil for your songwriting.
3: I used Richard to do backing voices and harmonies on the demos. So we worked on the demos all the time, and we were an, We worked automatically. We'd sang on one vo- one mic and just did it. In fact, there are there are shots on on the album of us singing on the one mic. So that was it. Was automatic that he looked to me for songs occasionally. If I had forgotten, he'd done Maria Elena. Mm. I remember Maria Maria Elena was reviewed in Disc magazine by Penny Valentine, and she said it was a very simple song and I thought it's very it's actually a complicated song with different rhythms in it. And I th- I thought of all the songs I've written that's not simple but never mind. Yeah, I don't know I I I haven't included that lyric in the book of lyrics because I I don't know why I didn't I didn't really want to. I didn't include Hello World either because that that was that was written to order for for Eurovision and um nothing came of that. Well, it was With the tremolos
2: Maria Elena, a song that's got a bit of a different style to some of your other singles. It's got a kind of marching pacey. Yeah, and it's also a
3: bit of a Spanish feel. It's got a sense of three four going against four four in the chorus. I think I think it was an all right song, and Gene liked it. And Richard, I'd forgotten that Richard had recorded it. I can't. Sometimes things get done, and I can't remember them. (laughs)
6: There's a cottage in a village, in the country I have learned to love. And every night the curfew rings, and people sing their prayers to heaven above. In the cottage there lives a girl who's crying, cause she can see. Soldiers marching away to war, they're fighting to be free Maria Elena, I'm going away
1: to war, I'm going to fight, I may not be back again Maria Elena, I love you forevermore They say it's alright, you stay by my side till
8: dawn
6: remember moonlit nights And dancing in the streets Till break of day Yes, I remember how it was No one would separate us Come what may And like a dream it dissolves away And morning will soon be here a revolution has come our
4: way. I'm warning you now, dear Maria
1: later I'm going to wage the war. I'm going to fight. I may not be back again. Maria Elena, I'll love you forevermore. You say it's all right. Just stay by my side till dawn.
2: We had uh, Richard's version of Berea Elena that got released in 1970, a little bit after Gene's version. But around that time, you were starting to shift your sound a a little bit, which seemed right for the 70s. I think we've got your solo single, The The Way I Feel. Could you see the way that the wind was going in relation to being a solo artist and the shift? Well,
3: it was really Jerry Braun. He he realised it was the sort of era of the singer-songwriter, I think and said to me, why don't you go away and write an album and don't think about being commercial? I'd never consciously thought about being commercial. I remember Tony Garnett in Durham had said to me, I think you're commercial. And I didn't know what he meant. That was in, I don't know, 65. And so I, couldn't, I never knew what was commercial. I just wrote what I, I liked. And I was lucky in the 60s that most of what I wrote got recorded. It was just one of those time and place things that seem to happen. I think you go. Th- people go through periods of that, and that's the way it worked. The way I feel was at the end of... That was a very commercial record in Sephora. When I say commercial, it was very poppy. I think the other thing is, when I'd written You Won't Be Leaving and had a hit, I started to think, well, I'm a songwriter, and what the songwriters do, they write songs. So I started... I put the songwriting cap on, and of course, nothing happened for a year till "Harvest of the Clowns. But you think in certain ways, and sometimes it would get to the point where I felt I was in a in a rut. and would need to get out of that rut. But the way I feel was just it was over, over poppy. I think sometimes I don't really like that now. It's just too uh, it's too obvious <laughs> with a great big streaming chorus, you know.
1: me hang on. It's not your funny face confessing that you've done something wrong. Would you believe it if I told you that the thing that makes me want to hold you doesn't lie along this line of thoughts? I still remember how you played along with some other guy and how you thought that you could pull the wool right over my Illusion shatter, yet it didn't seem to matter, just as soon as I saw you come running home. That's the reason, it's the way I feel when you're not around, a pain that feels as though it's gonna rape me, Shame me from the Summer's come, and summer's go, and winter return. And as the time goes by, well, you and I will both of us learn just what it means to be together, But it's wrong of you to sever a relationship that means so much to me. So let me tell you of the
2: And another artist that you've got a strong association with, and I think you've you've featured on backing vocals on at least three of his albums, and that's Elton John, and we have Take Me to the Pilot here. How did you get involved in terms of um, working with Elton alongside some other fantastic vocalists, of course? I was friendly with Leslie Duncan, and Leslie
3: was doing backing vocals. She used to do backing vocals for Dusty Springfield, and so... I got into the backing vocal circuit. So I'd turn up and do sessions and meet regular people on those sessions, like Sue and Sonny. I can't remember them all. Madeline Bell. And it was was really nice and cosy. We automatically would sing harmonies and it all seemed to work quite quickly. We sang on a Tony Blackburn single once. (laughs) Did you? He was very nervous. Yeah. And we were all sort of very professional. And then we did, we did, James Last albums used to fly over to Hamburg and get treated like gods and goddesses. He was like Father Christmas. Had a great time. And everybody poo-pooed James Last. We could it was mum's and dad's music, but he was actually a great arranger and he had great musicians. We didn't have any of that snobbishness. We, you know, there were musicians. We, you know, we sang on it. Elton was, was one of the backing singers. And I'll never forget, I was in a session one day with him doing the backing vocals. And he said, oh, I did a gig last night in Brighton, a solo gig on piano. And everybody said, how did it go? He said, it was great. It was all right. But I knew him as Reg at the time. We all, But we all got on really well. He came up to my house at Loudwater for tea once. And I can't remember why. He gave me a lift. Maybe that was it. So I already knew him. And then when he started to, he'd already done Empty Sky with Dick James music. And then he started to, do the Trident Sessions with Gus Dudgeon. And he said, well, I'm doing this album. Will you come and sing on it? So we said yes. And as soon as I heard it, I thought, wow, this is something else. Especially Take Me to the Pilot. It was, nobody knew what it was about. I don't think Bernie Torpin knew what it was about. (laughs) He just wrote these lyrics. I did hear he said, you know, they're completely mean this. We don't know what what it's all about, but... But, but great tracks, and I, you know, I like the musicians. I like Caleb Quay. Yeah, I thought I'm, I'm going to have him for something because he's so different, so original. You hear Caleb playing, and you know, he's not like anybody else. And also, B.J. Cole was on on the sessions, so I thought I'll I have him. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's how we we got into it. And then I think we did Tumbleweed Connection was the next one, after Elton John. And then we—it was Honky Chateau. I think on the Honky Chateau, he and Dusty had become friend-friendly, and he wanted her to sing on it. And so, with just half a dozen of us backing singers, and I was standing next to her, and she was very sweet and very nervous. And said, "I don't think I can do this." And I was thinking, "You're Dusty Spring. I didn't say it. I thought, what the hell? Of course you can do it." I kept reassuring her. I said, "You'd be fine. Don't worry." And she was, of course, because she was really sweet. And then we did the um, Festival Hall concert, the first Festival Hall concert, and I lost track of him after that, so I haven't been in touch since, because he went on to do all sorts of stuff and go through different changes. But that's how I ended up on Take Me to the Pilot, which is a great track, great play, and that's why B.J. Cole and Caleb Quay played on Loudwater House.
7: I feel that it's real. I'm on trial, and I'm here again. Your present. like a coin in your mint. I am tempted and I'm spent with hot treason. Through a glass eye, your throne Is as the one danger zone. Take me to the pilot for control. Of your soul. Take me to the pilot, beam me through the chamber. Take me to the pilot, I'm but a stranger. Take me to the pilot, beam me through the chamber. Take me to the pilot. I'm Tame oh, like. <laughs> to the body, tame to the timer Came to the body. I'm going to the body, to the timer Came to the body. I'm a stranger.
2: Another song that people will know for you is certainly Andy Williams' single version of Getting Over You. Yeah. Do you know how that track actually reached him and how people come to record that? I think it was
3: because of Bronze, who were very active, you know, taking tracks out. I think it was pitched to Art Garfunkel, and I'd heard he didn't like the phrase, like her, she's indescri- I'm indescribably blue, referring to the sea, which I thought was quite nice. Gazing far out to sea like her, I'm indescribably blue. Whether that was true or not, I don't know. Which was odd, because Art Garfunkel and I had a mutual friend in Kathy Chitty, who was Paul Simon's girlfriend at the time. Before that, I I knew Kathy very well. She used to come and stay at the weekends. And and also when Art was doing, there was a film of a well-known book, and he was in that. And when he was in Mexico, and he was sending letters to us uh, I was married and living in Highgate and Cathy used to come and stay with us. And so letters would come in airmail letters and Cathy and really wanted us to meet. She said, you get on really well with art, but we never, ever did. And he didn't do that song. But then Andy Williams did it. So that that was nice. I still prefer my own version. <laughs> I shouldn't say that, but I do. <laughs> Peter Noon also recorded it, didn't he? Yes, he did. You know, that's one of those things. I think I was doing an interview in, at Radio Merseyside and they played that. And I said, I didn't know he'd done this. I was very surprised. I also, Gene Pitney had also done another song. I can't remember what it was now. That I didn't know he'd recorded. I was quite surprised at that.
8: closed, I'm only dreaming. So wake me up upon my bed of straw. Gotta see the day begin, figure out the mood I'm in. Wondering how to spend my burning day Underneath the lemon trees Gazing far out to sea Like her I'm indescribably blue Cause I think I'm over getting old
2: We mentioned Richard Barnes before, but by the mid-70s, you'd formed a duo with him and you'd done some versions of songs that you'd worked on before. One of them was Richard Barnes, who had a... I think it was a hit with Take to the Mountains, which is just a stupendous track. I assume it's just a a natural evolution by that period that you two would formally come
3: together. Because we'd been singing together for years, and it seemed to be an obvious thing to do. It was funny about Take to the Mountain because... It was played an awful lot and people liked it, but there was a, a strike at the Phillips factory and they couldn't, nobody could buy it. It was one of those should have been a hits. I would have been, and I was playing at a, at a fest, little festival, I forget where it was. And so I mentioned that and somebody in the audience came up to me in the interval and said, I worked in the factory. I remember the strike. She said, what you're saying is absolutely right. So yes. So we got together and we recorded some stuff. I'd, that had been done before, but I seem to have a habit of re-recording things because I can't remember though I'd already done them. Ah. Richard and I went round London, round the record companies, trying to get a record deal, and it got to the point where we used to interview the record companies because we'd go round and we were dealing with youngsters who, who didn't know of us. Richard had been singing Jesus Christ Superstar for two years, and nobody knew who he was. And nobody knew my history. And so we, we'd have an appointment and say, first of all, can you make decisions? If you can't, we don't want to talk to you. And then we, we met Peter Sweatnam at Warner Brothers, who said, yes, I can. And that's how it went on from there. And Derek Taylor was involved, and he was such a lovely chap at Warner's. But I don't really play that album. I don't really. It's not one of my favourites, Was it like that. But interestingly, there's a track called um, St. Morgan's Lighthouse, Warning Lights, and we couldn't get it right in the studio. And we went back to the demo version that we'd done at Sawmill Studios in Cornwall with Jerry Boy's engineering. We just used that demo with just one guitar and added stuff to it. We had interesting people on that too. I remember... Who did the Resurrection Shuffle? Oh, that was Ashton Gardner Dyke. Tony Ashton. Tony played on it. He was a lovely chap. Lovely chap, yeah.
6: I remember golden days Autumn falling by the river How I always fail to give her Peace of mind Take a boat or take a plane And then take away your lover The end result is still the same No peace of mind Wouldn't you like to know
1: I love you? Jump on a plane and take a ride Come home before I forget you And take to the mountains and hide Wouldn't you like to know I love you? Jump on a plane and take a ride Come home before I forget you
6: Take to the mountains and high high, idle friends, play idle games, keep on asking me to enter. Put your feelings in the center, win peace of mind. Watch the piper call the tune and watch the servant beat his master wonder why I never asked her for peace of mind Wouldn't you like to know I love
1: you? Jump on a plane, take a ride Come on before I forget you Take to the mountains, the high.
2: happened for many artists with the shift of the music industry punk new wave yeah was it just increasingly difficult to earn a living given the shifts
3: well I think it it was you sort of it's interesting the music I liked wasn't necessarily what I did say the 60s and 70s I was into much more heavy music like Raikuda and Little Feet Little Feet were my all-time favorite band but I realized I couldn't do that I could do it, but not as well as they could. I was better doing romantic stuff. That's what suited me best. But then when punk came in, I'd spent ages trying to tune the guitar and sing in tune, and suddenly it didn't really matter anymore. So, yeah, things had changed, and I can't, I can't remember what. I think that I gradually I'd written, i started to write a song. I got bored with it, and I thought, I can't really do this. So I, I just went in a completely different direction. And stopped writing for quite a long time. And then went back to it.
2: Obviously, you did go back to it, and gets us towards the period that we last spoke, which was the songs from the liner just over there,
3: the river, yeah. river, isn't it? Yeah, the river liner. I owned half the river up to the centre of the river in my woods. Yeah.
2: Was it the advancement of technology that meant that it was just e- that was easier or cheaper to record and get back in?
3: Well, I'd been out in the music business working as a a therapist, a counsellor, and I ended up in drug rehab. I mean, I wasn't in drug rehab. I was working in drug rehab. And then I was later asked to go back. I'd left because it, it was it got a bit tiring. And I went back and a friend of mine was running the place and wanted me to run the men's unit, residential unit. So I did. I thought it was going to be a, for a few weeks and he ended up four years. Before that, I... I thought, right, we we got recording with computers. And I thought, well, I've got to find out about this. So I got myself the right computer, I felt, and the right software and started playing around with it. But I did it all myself. So songs from the liner, I played everything. So it took ages. (laughs) It took five years to do that. I had a stroke in the middle of it. And and luckily, I played tremolo mandolin on it before the stroke because after that, I couldn't do it. I could play guitar. I got back to playing guitar quite quickly, but that slowed me down. And, and I was trying to do it in between working at the treatment centre before then, and then I had time to focus on on that. But part of it was a happy process, doing it at your own speed in your own home. But the other half was the responsibility. We, you didn't have a record company, so you've got to do it all yourself. And I ended up buying a SLR camera to take the photographs for the you know, for the CD and then organizing all that. And it got to the point where I was fed up with it all. I didn't, <laughs> I thought I'm never going to do anything like this again until we did the Helicom sessions.
2: We've next got Happy Be Me from Songs from the Liner. And that, yeah. that's the song that represents, is it contentment, do you think? That was written a long time ago.
3: And it was written, it was inspired by the Vatman. <laughs> right. When VAT first came out. I had to be involved with VAT. I don't know why. I wasn't earning lots of money necessarily, but you had to do it. A man came to see me. I was trying to explain it. I said, look, I said, do you know anything about brass band arranging? And he said, no. I said, well, the instruments are written in three flats. There are E-flat instruments, B-flat instruments and concert pitch. But when they play, they all sound in the same key. Do you understand that? And he said, no. So I said, if I went to the Plymouth Vat Office and said, right, lads, it's brass band arranging time, you wouldn't know what to do, would you? And he said, no. I said, well, neither do I understand this form. He said, nevertheless, you've still got to do it. (laughs) (laughs) So it was about, there's a line in it about people think. They're fettered by... Fettered by a rule, is it? uh, By the rules, yeah. That was a reference to that. It was everything that had to be done. There was no sense of soul or feel or, you know, it was all rigid rules. And I'm I'm not very good with rigid rules. Um, So I I tend to rebel against...
1: Some people think I'm naïve They think I'm wearing my heart on my sleeve Some people think I'm green as ivy in spring They never realise I'm doing my thing Some people think I'm a fool They're fettered by their handmade iron rules But they're wrong, cause I'm free I hang loose, and I'm happy being me That's the truth, hanging loose Yes and happy being me When Friday night comes around When Friday
5: night comes around
1: I take a stroll to the center of town Might drink some whiskey or I might drink some wine Might ask a lady If she'd care to dine care to
5: die.
1: Spend Sunday mornings in bed It never bothers me The things I've heard said I don't care because I'm free, I hang loose And I'm happy being me That's the truth, hanging loose Yes, unhappy being me When people say I'm on my way down to hell way down to... Can it be they speak the truth You never can tell. So I say a prayer for those who get in my head and try my patience.
2: Another day for me, so the Halicum Sessions. That was a relatively short period of time after Songs from the Liner, yeah, so you were... I'd had a, an email from
3: the Professor of International Law in San Sebastian, who'd been a fan of mine for years. He said, I've been a fan of yours since I was 14, and he was now in his late 50s. I, I remember saying, I played your, your music to Songs and Lovers for all these years. Anyway, he said, he had a club, we didn't have a club, it was an idea called Club Sixty Six. And people would pay so many Euros a month and they would bring people over to play in concerts. So he said, Will you come and play? So I said, Yeah. And went over, not knowing what to expect. I'd looked him up on to see he was real. He wasn't an axe murderer or anything. <laughs> and I could see him talking in Spanish in his, in a suit. And we since become really good friends. And over there, I met a chap called Matt Harding, a great big burly man who did the sound when I was playing in this club. And we became great friends. He he was a great songwriter and had a great voice, was a great guitarist. He's one of those people that should have been doing far more than he was, because people just didn't... I don't know, people didn't seem to be interested. He had a fantastic voice. He could play anything. He would play bluesy stuff. And country stuff he was just very very good, but he was a great fan of mine, and he wanted to do something with me, but we didn't we didn't know what we'd do but then he was going back to America, so he was going to come over and see me because he'd never been to the u k so he came over on the ferry I met him in Plymouth, and he brought some recording gear, and I got recording gear and uh I thought, after Songs from the Liner, I thought, I don't want the responsibility. I want somebody else to take the responsibility. And unbeknown to me, he wanted to produce a very, very simple raw album with me. He'd only had a week here. So we'd, we'd set his up and we'd, we'd just keep things recording. We'd, I'd just get the guitar and play. And very occasionally, he'd, he'd overdub another guitar or a harmony or something like that. And then we'd go and sit outside on the on the seat outside and he'd smoke a cigarette and then we go to the pub in the evening which he loved and then he went back i've still got the remains of the seat out there which has fallen to bits it was just a plank on two bits of wood i must take a photograph of it because i'm gonna put a proper seat for this summer now uh and we've been in touch ever since but some of the songs you know I, I just pulled songs out of the air like we did we did she's not you which was a I remembered it from a demo I'd done in the mid-60s and nobody had recorded it. And I played it to him. He said, I really like that. So we, we just did it. There was one track. I think it was another day for me. And I was. I said, look, I can do this far better. A lot of the takes were just one take with, with mistakes and things. And he wanted to leave it. He said, no, leave it like that. I said, I can sing that much better. He said, I don't want you to. He said you don't like people hearing your vulnerability. I said, no, of course not. He said, well, it's, it's endearing. He said, we'll keep it in. And then one day we were walking through the woods down to the river and I pointed across one of our fields and I said, "I said all the fields around here had names and that field was called Hallicum. And if I'd known that when I came here, I would have called the house Hallicum, but I didn't, I didn't know it. So when it came to packing up and he, he did the files and he called it the Hallingcomb Sessions. So I said, well, let's do that. And I'd, I'd already got um, a historical document from 1841, I think, of the names of the fields and what, what Hallingcomb cost in tithes in 1841. I live in an old barn that goes back to 1821. So this year it's 200 years old. So that's how we had the Hallingcomb Sessions. And we actually mixed it in a studio in America, in Utah, I think. We did it all by Skype, I think. So the engineer over there did it, and we placed stuff back and we say, can we do this a bit like this? By which time, Matt was back in San Sebastian. I was in Cornwall, and the engineer was in, which is the way the world is now.
1: And mist clings round my house walls Sleep's descending, heaven's sending Another day for me Sky glows and eyes doze The sun is shining, God knows How this world keeps spinning Bringing another day for me I remember moonlit nights And scaling walls To reach the heights of wonder And trying to plunder You hid away from prying eyes behind your enigmatic smiles, down all the years and ocean miles since then. Child grows and life goes. An old age creeps on tiptoes, unrelenting yet still presenting another day for me. Heart takes, heart breaks. This game of life has high stakes. Aces high, with luck might buy, another day for me. Aces high, with luck might buy, another day for
5: me.
2: close tony we have the version of listen to me which is on demonstration listen to me being one of the key Holly's hits from the 60s
5: yeah
2: am i right that actually tony picks was involved in just doing a little bit extra in terms of the
3: version that we kept the demo i was pleased with the demo i knew tony quite well at the time and and he said i'll put my guitar part on if you like so we overdubbed that i don't know how we Edited it in we must have done the engineers must have done that so yeah that's his that's his bit on it obviously it was written and recorded before they recorded it and then he, when the album was coming out in sixty nine he said I'll put my my bit on it so he did which was nice of
2: him how did that connection with the Hollies to to get that song come out yeah that again that was
3: bronze it was, was largely right. Lillian Braun hustling it was a great hustler and I went to EMI. I mean, it wasn't Abbey Road then, because Abbey Road wasn't. It was called EMI Studios, yeah. and I spent a lot of time in EMI Studios doing all sorts of stuff. Graham Nash was very keen on my stuff, and he wanted to have a a similar relationship as they had with Graham Gouldman. But I think the rest of the band I don't think was were bothered by. It. I played the, I played this other song in the studio, but they didn't really go for it. But Graham was keen. But then they he just left straight after that.
2: So, in terms of uh, looking forward, obviously people can get the demonstration now on CD, and I assume it'll be on streaming and stuff. But the well, the I vinyl...
3: I, I'm pleased with it because it's sort of it is like a statement. It's, it's. I know everybody's got Beatles albums from the '60s and uh, lots of other albums, but I wanted this to be a sort of, I don't know, like a, a slice of the '60s. Like, like there's information about the the Studer tape recorders and the and the the microphone, which is was a valve mic. You can buy one these days for about £10,000. Very complicated mic. And it was just, a, it's just an era. And the fact that also the drummer has since died, and he was a, a lovely, lovely chap, so the album's dedicated to him. And the fact that he played with Bill Niles' Delta Jazzmen from Cheltenham, one of whose members was Brian Jones playing sax. The Rolling Stones' Brian Jones. So it's all—it's funny how things get connected and move on. And, and also the fact that all the demos were done in Regent Sound A Studios, in, which doesn't exist anymore, in to, just off Tottenham Court Road, not Regent Sound B in Denmark Street. I, I was in there one morning doing one of the tracks and Adrian, the engineer, said, guess who we had in here last night? And I said, who? He said, it was the Beatles. I thought they were recording a, a guitar track. What happened was... It might have been, but don't quote me, it might have been a Cella Black session was on in the main studio at EMI. All the studios were booked, and they were looking for a, a studio close by, which it was, that had two studio tape machines, identical ones. And I remember Adrian saying that nobody played what they were supposed to play. Everybody was playing different different things. But they recorded fixing a hole on sergeant pepper and that's mentioned on demonstration album as a little historical footnote
2: that's a fitting way to end tony what can i say right it's just a pleasure to speak with you
3: okay johnny good
2: thanks a lot cheers
4: listen
1: to me i'll sing a song to change your mind Have you ever wondered why, when everything goes wrong? Nobody stops to lend a hand, nobody seems to care Then she looks you in the eye, and suddenly you're strong And very soon you realise that you didn't care about love Listen to me, I'll sing a song to change your mind Your ears are deaf, your mouth is dumb, your eyes Listen to me and very soon I think you'll find Somebody wants to help you, somebody seems to care And very soon you've forgotten that you didn't care about love Does it hurt to realise you've been acting very strange? Using to take the love she gives Pretending you don't care Did it take you by surprise To discover how you changed? How you forgot to remember That you didn't care about love? Listen to me, I'll sing a song To change your mind Your ears are deaf Your mouth is dumb Your eyes are blind Listen to me and very soon I think you'll find Somebody wants to help you Somebody seems to care And very soon you've forgotten That you didn't care about love Listen to me, I'll sing a song to change your mind Your ears are deaf, your mouth is dumb, your eyes are blind Listen to me and very soon I think you'll find Somebody wants to help you Nobody seems to care, and very soon you've forgotten that you didn't care about
5: love. You didn't care about love. You didn't care about love. You didn't care about love. You care about love. You care
2: about Thank you for listening to the Strange Brew podcast. If you do like the show, please consider a small donation to help keep the show archive online. It's 10 years since I started the podcast and hosting fees are increasing over time. All your support keeps the show running and helps me get amazing guests. To support me, just go to thestrangebrew.co.uk where you'll see a donate button on the homepage. Thank you very much. Plus, any reviews on your podcast services help to spread the word too. Thank you.